This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time doing among other things, producing these videos and acting as an expert witness in insurance claims litigation. Today I'd like to talk about the issue of collapse in first-party property insurance policies. A collapse is a sudden or relatively abrupt occurrence causing serious structural damage and not a gradual occurrence over a period of time. A homeowner's insurance policy will most likely provide collapse coverage for any serious impairment of structural integrity. Consequently, the term collapse in its plain, common, and ordinary sense means a falling down, falling together, or caving into an unorganized mass. For instance, in Rosen v. State Farm General Insurance Company, a 2003 decision of the California Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals' choice to not enforce a clear, unambiguous, and explicit policy clause because it found the existence of an overriding public policy that mandates such coverage in reversing the dangerous Court of Appeal decision, the Supreme Court refused to follow the so-called public policy basis for the Court of Appeal's decision to compel coverage because such logic without restraint would allow courts to convert life insurance into health insurance, rewriting the coverage provision to conform to their subjective notions of sound public policy. The trial court and the court of appeal exceeded their authority, disregarded the clear language of the policy and the equally clear holdings of the Supreme Court, to rewrite the provision imposing the duty to indemnify in order to remove its limitation to actual collapse would compel the insurer to give more than it promised and would allow the insured to get more than it paid for, thereby denying their freedom to contract as they please. This is an essential element of insurance law and the interpretation of insurance policies by the court. Give the parties what they agreed to and nothing more. The Washington State Supreme Court, answering an inquiry from a U.S. District Court, concluded that rather than adopt a fixed definition of the word collapse for all insurance contracts, it would apply Washington law to interpret the ambiguous term collapse in the insurance contract before the Ninth Circuit. The Supreme Court concluded that in the insurance contract, collapse means substantial impairment of structural integrity. Substantial impairment of structural integrity means substantial impairment of the structural integrity of a building or part of a building that renders such building or part of a building unfit for its function 
or unsafe under the clear language of the insurance policy. And that must be more than mere settling, cracking, shrinking, bulging, or expansion. But it's not as much as an actual falling down. The case was called the U.S. Court of Appeals before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, Queen Anne Park Homeowners Association versus State Farm, a decision of the Washington Supreme Court in 2015. Courts that take the position that the building need not actually fall down for there to be coverage for indemnity generally require substantial damage or proof of imminent collapse before the collapse coverage will be triggered. This rule was applied by the Pennsylvania Court of Appeals in a case called Dominic, which defined collapse as a complete falling of the structure and or reduction of the building to a flattened form of rubble. The Pennsylvania Court concluded that the term collapse was not ambiguous and held that For there to be coverage for the collapse of a building, the structure must either fall together or fall in. As you can see, Pennsylvania is different than Washington State, and the decisions of the various states depend on the wordings of the policy and their particular feelings about interpreting insurance contracts. Some courts find the term collapse to be ambiguous and expend the definition of collapse to include substantial impairment like the court in Washington. Other courts claim to have adopted the broad meaning because the meaning typically is more favorable to the insured. For example, the Michigan Court of Appeals found the so-called modern approach to be the better reasoned approach in Vormelker versus Oleksinki. Courts finding the term collapse ambiguous include Beach versus Middlesex Mutual in Connecticut in 1987, Nationwide Mutual versus Tomlin, a 1986 Georgia case, and American Concept Insurance versus Jones, a 1996 case from the U.S. District Court in Utah. The American Concept Court stated, quote, Utah would likely follow the modern trend for a number of reasons. One, although the insurer urges that the collapse should be defined as being reduced to a flattened form of rubble, the insurer did not include this definition in its policy, even though it certainly could have done so. Two, although the insurer's policy states that collapse does not include settling, cracking, shrinking, bulging, or expansion, it is virtually impossible to imagine a collapse even being defined as reduced to flattened form or rubble that would not involve some of these attributes. Thus, the insurer's use of the term collapse is fairly susceptible to being interpreted as not including mere settling or cracking, but including settling or cracking that results in substantial impairment of a home's structural integrity. Three, 
Some of the dictionary definitions of collapse include definitions such as a breakdown in vital energy, strength, or stamina, and sudden loss of accustomed abilities, which suggests that the term collapse is fairly susceptible to an interpretation that it means a substantial impairment of structural integrity, and four, to require a building to fall down before allowing coverage would be unreasonable in light of an insured's duty to mitigate damages and would be economically unsound. In King v. North River Insurance, a 1982 case from South Carolina's Supreme Court, they reviewed a case where the insured's roof had collapsed due to the weight of accumulated rainwater. The insurer denied the claim, asserting the collapse was not caused by a named peril. Although the trial court directed a verdict for North River, the Supreme Court reversed because, quote, it is generally sufficient to prove the event insured against was the efficient cause of the loss, even though not the sole cause. Where an expert has testified the accumulated water on the roof would not by itself have caused the roof to collapse, a reasonable jury could find that the clogging of the downspouts was the efficient and proximate cause, close quote. Since the Supreme Court's ruling in Rosen, the California courts found in Jordan v. Allstate in 2004 and Jordan v. Allstate again in 2007 have stated, it seems self-evident that the policy's use of the term entire collapse necessarily must refer to an actual, not an imminent collapse. For a building or a portion thereof to sustain an entire collapse must mean that it has entirely collapsed, that it is wholly, completely, or fully collapsed. Put another way, to constitute an entire collapse, there must be a total collapse. It would make no sense to apply such a description to a collapse that was merely imminent. Whether a potential collapse that is properly described as imminent will result in an entire or total collapse or something less or no collapse at all is a matter of pure speculation unless and until such collapse actually occurs. The Court of Appeal, close quote, the Court of Appeal in Jordan, however, sustained the appeal and sent the case back to the trial court to determine if there was in fact an entire collapse. The Jordan decision requires an entire collapse. In the court's view, the term entire collapse is susceptible to only one reasonable interpretation. That is the one the trial court adopted. Coverage under the collapse exception must apply only to an actual collapse. 
The burden of establishing that the claim policy exclusion defeats the insured's claim to coverage falls on the insurer, particularly in view of the policy's express provision of coverage for collapses caused even in part by weight of rain, the insurer must demonstrate the clear and unmistakable applicability of the relied-upon exclusion. In South Dakota, after reviewing the issue, the court elected to follow those jurisdictions that have adopted the approach which defines collapse to include not only actual collapse, but also imminent collapse. Imminent collapse is defined as likely to happen without delay, impending, or threatening, and requires a showing of more than substantial impairment. The South Dakota Supreme Court concluded that the most reasonable construction of the term collapse is to define it to include imminent collapse. This case is called Properties versus Midwest Family, a 2001 decision of the South Dakota Supreme Court. In Johnson Press of America versus Northern Insurance Company of New York, a 2003 decision of an Illinois Court of Appeal, the court held the need for fortuity before there can be coverage under a policy. In 1998, Without any interference from natural forces, a vacant two-story brick building built in the early 1900s collapsed. The insurer's adjuster found that the collapse occurred as a result of long-term decay due to plaintiff's failure to maintain the roofing of the building. There was severe wood decay caused by water infiltration. Based upon those facts, the court found that the dilapidated condition of the building demonstrates that the collapse of the building did not happen by chance or accident. It was expected, since plaintiff, the insured, failed to establish a prima facie case that the loss was due to a fortuitous event, the insurer is not liable, close quote. Fortuitous, explained the Illinois court, means happening by chance or accident or occurring unexpectedly or without known cause. An all-risk policy covers only those losses that were actually risked by the parties, a loss that was, so far as the parties knew, an inevitable certainty at the time of contracting is not fortuitous and will not be covered by the resulting contract. This uh, video was adopted from my book, Zalma on Insurance Claims, Part 104, Second Edition, and is available from Amazon.com is both a Kindle book and a paperback. If you found this video to be useful to you or and your colleagues, please refer it to your colleagues since it is free.
And please subscribe to my YouTube channel and to my blog so that you can be informed of future videos and future blog posts. Thank you again for your attention.